you have to start with yourself and accept the circumstances of your life and accept them as your own. Accept them as your own creation. Accept them as your own karma. Accept them as your own truth, as your own work that you are given to do in this lifetime and deal with it from there. And start with yourself. Start by taking time with yourself to just sit quietly in a day. To just be still and not let all the concepts and all the ideas and all the mental constructs wear you down. recognize that in self that everybody doesn't dream the same way some people are used to you know everything you their dream everything kind of always falls in line for them in their dream where other people's dream yeah it's a routine so now this is kind of crazy like they're like things aren't falling in line or for people like I would consider myself where it felt like I've never felt like things in my life have always just fell in line. I've always had to kind of like, you know, pivot on a, in a drop of a dime or do certain things that, you know, I may not have been emotionally ready for or physically ready for. COVID kind of like, I took it as go time. Like I knew there was going to be a lot of people slacking. I knew there was going to be a lot of people that was going to be confused at these moments. And I was like, uh-uh. Time to buckle down. You take advantage of that. You've been confused before. This ain't no other type of confusion. Like, just try to figure it out. And it's going to be a billion people like that. And that's why I really, really think COVID is going to be the pendulum swing for economics um, success for where it's going to be so many poor people that are going to get rich and so many rich people that are going to lose money. It's going to be very, very, very interesting to see how that how that balance you know, if they're if the rich people money it was long enough that they're able to still swipe it down <laughs> and balance it out. It's yeah, keep flipping it, stretching it, or maybe it was all perception and they're and they're gonna fall really fast and it just it's it's just it we twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, I think the next five years are gonna be like very, very interesting years just to kind of just like watch and see how things pan out. Yeah, and I and I like what you mentioned about um, adaptability, and I feel like we've heard about being adaptable throughout education, and even 
with certain nine to five jobs, people are always saying, oh, you have to be adaptable. You have to be able to adjust to your surroundings and being able to pivot no matter what happens. And I feel like this was the time in which some of those skills actually got yeah, towards, because I uh, got to the foreground, you know? Yeah. I don't, cause yeah, a lot of those skills, they tell you, oh, be adaptable, be things like that. That's also fake systematic racism. They tell a certain crowd of people to be like that. <laughs> so oh, that's going to be, yeah, yeah. yeah, on the professional element, they, they over preach perfect. Professionalism is just plain respect. My mom taught me that when I was 10 years old, like mm-hmm. you walk in a room, you say, hello, someone speaks to you, you say, hello, you say, good morning. That stuff is simple. Mm-hmm. That's real professionalism and also being transparent. But that's a, that's a little murky situation, too, because the higher up you go, the less transparent you are. It, it, you know, that, that's all to be played with as well. I think for me, when I think about adaptability uh, and also transparency, it's like for me, it's more about multiplicity, right? And like being able to, you know, a lot of times, It's, you know, professionalism, for instance, is like you're putting on a mask to have to like step into an environment as opposed to like Mm -hmm. we're all whole people who have a lot of different sides to us and a lot of different like elements of us as like human beings. And so in some situations you tap into one side of that and some situations you tap into another side of that, you know, so maybe that transparency means that you're like some people aren't going to see this particular side of you, but you're still bringing an authentic self into that exchange. It's just like a different part of yourself than that shows up in some circumstances versus other circumstances. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that also is just going to be determined on the, you know, the workspace you're in. I can, as soon as you said that, it made me think, Um, you know, me and Eric's background is you, both of our first, first career jobs was at the same place together. So me and him definitely seen how we all try to be our authentic selves and, you know, to our best of our ability, but we've seen people that, authentic selves in the crowd may not be accepted but for the workplace that was the best personality for that place and other people where Mm, you you know you would have felt like you would have felt like you know these authentic personalities and always made people comfortable never you know that personality may not have been the most successful personality for that location. So it's all circumstantial. Sometimes you got to pull it out of you. Sometimes it should just be able to be natural. Sometimes you got to tighten it up a little bit. It's kind of just all about knowing your, your circumstances and where you're at at that moment of your life and time. Yeah. It's also about mm-hmm. like, you know, scoping what other people's values are, because I feel like mm. personally I've been in, I've been in situations before where people, I did have to put on certain you know, parts of my personality that weren't necessarily authentic, or even if they were authentic, it's like, okay, but do you, why do you value these particular characteristics? Yeah, mm-hmm. There's other people out there who don't value things like that, you know? So you got to be able to read the room and like, and I feel like that's mm-hmm. something that as we grow older and you just have more experiences with that comes the ability to really read the room a little bit more like, okay, I've been in a situation like this before. I can tell that this niceness is a fake niceness, or I can tell that this, like, mm-hmm. you know, what you're trying to sell me isn't really what, what I'm actually buying, you know? So, or even you can do it a reverse. Like my laid back personality may need to turn up a little bit more in this type of environment. If I seem laid back, they may seem like I'm disinterested or something like that, even though that could be the authentic me their values in here may be high intensity, high energy at all times. So just like you said, you just got to be able to always match those values. And I, I, I could definitely fall on that and say, 
coming into corporate America, those were some of the biggest things I learned because growing up, I had a bunch of different jobs. I, you know, I was definitely not the kid that my first corporate job was my first job. I probably had 10 plus little, you know, BS small jobs just grouped since I was like 14 to out of college 23. So just, so I thought, you know, I've worked with so many people. I, you know, this ain't going to be this gun. Totally was wrong. Totally was wrong. Cause mm-hmm. just the values and the things that were important in this type of office just weren't the same things that were highlighted over here. And I had to adjust. And now I understand those things a little bit better. And that's all it just takes. And the thing about it too, is like with that adjustment, and I don't know if it's us just be just getting older and realizing more of who we are. But Jay-Z, I I was watching something where he, there was an interview and he was like how he walks into every room as himself, because no matter where you are, there you are. And when I heard that, I'm just like, damn, the moments and opportunities in which I'm essentially me when I'm not put on the front, things end up working out a lot better instead of me trying Mm -hmm. to box myself in or play these little mind games in order to, fit in with a certain culture because even i mean Mm -hmm. during everything that's happening now like top performers have even lost their job you know what i'm saying you have people who were doing well at these organizations who were the first ones in the office the last one to leave but it's like when it's time to go it's time to go so it's like it gets down to a point where you have to just recircle back on values and realize all right is this what i worry for those i worry a lot for those type of people Mm -hmm. like sorry to cut you off who put in all that pain and who put in all that yeah yep I, I I really, really do. And I, and I sometimes battle with myself. I'm like, you know, I don't want anybody to ever assume I'm about, you know, taking, you know, cuts or going around or anything like that. But sometimes I really, yeah, but I really sometimes just be like, ah, like, damn, I really see you out there doing all that for that person. You know, like if you could just do that much for yourself or, you know, put that same type of pain Mm -hmm. in, I just get scared for those moments when that person isn't able to do for them anymore. You know, these top performers being laid off and stuff like that. Like what happens at that moment? Like I always try to keep the mind frame of I'm going to work my hardest I can. But at the end of the day, I know this is your thing. The thing that I'm going to put my blood, sweat, and tears in for is the thing that I'm going to call my thing, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and kind of, I know throwing that concept out there, that could be kind of like racy where everybody's like, you know, everybody's not a business owner. Everybody, some people are just, you know, workers. Totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, And Mm -hmm. I totally, totally get that. I just say it's just for anything. Like when you do, when you put your all into things that you just can't control, just know that there may be a moment of uh, of pain. Just be prepared for that, because even when you can control it, it can happen. So, be but just be a little bit more prepared when you can't control it. Well, kind of parallel to that, what that makes me think of is like, you know, going back to investing in values. It's like even just investing in like different elements of like the culture, like you know what what is considered successful or like what is considered worth spending your time on, in a world where everything is constantly changing it gets really tricky, right? It's like, what are you, are you investing your time and you investing your energy in something that, you know, as the world continues to change on an ongoing basis, as we already know, like, you know, from, mm-hmm. from when we enter it to when we leave it is going to be different. So it's like, if, unless you have some sense of ownership or it's, it's really something that's true to yourself, if you're really just buying into like one different, you know, element of the culture and then different things start. It gets very tricky. Exactly. It gets very tricky. Also, 
real quick, I feel like we we haven't done any introductions yet, and you're one of the hardest working. Bro, I was people just that, about to say that. <laughs> you say you're one of the hardest working people that you know, so we got to put a name to that. So, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to uh, You Free, our communal podcast. You got Azim on the line. You already heard E's voice, and who are we talking to today? You're talking to Chris, also known as Bodega. Hey, Bodega, Bodega. What prompted the nickname? The nickname definitely was um. It's funny. They say you can't give yourself a nickname, a self-given nickname, but it definitely was. Got to um, stand on that. <laughs> but um, that definitely became just because of just the love of New York City and the bodega. That that name is just 100% just my love for when I came to New York City in 2013, even though I kind of like grew up through New York City because my parents are from here. You know, my first experience of living here in 2013 I just always love the bodega. I just love the community of the bodega. I just love the fact that when you go to bodega, that's where you're going to find out who, you know, just everything. What's popping? Who's what's Mm -hmm. going on? What's fly? What to order? You know, can't be having a bum ass order. What'd you say? Building relationships with the person. (laughs) Building relationship with the person behind the register. Definitely that. Yeah, that was that was my first experience. Definitely with that. And I would say, like, you know how you call it, like, you, like, that was my bodega when you lived in that neighborhood or that neighborhood. So, like, the three mm-hmm. main bodegas, I, I definitely built relationships with all the people behind the, the counter. Always good relationships, finding out, you know, how they're, fam- you know, all, always showing love because most of those people are immigrants. And that's another thing about you, bodega is I'm very, very much Black-owned, brown-owned anything that is just, you know, the minority owned. So bodegas are probably one of the biggest things that are minority owned, if not biggest. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just that name and that whole thing. It all, and then, you know, my business is called Bodega Healthy. So it just all, you know, fits and correlates into that. Yeah, I was going to say, you're always a person that likes to keep a fresh perspective on things. Like I, Anytime I've spoken to you, whenever we've both gone through some struggles or even elements of discomfort, mm-hmm. the next option was like, all right, what are we going to do about it? You know what I mean? How can we get yep. it going? What are our options? And I think that Bodega, being able to like keep things fresh and have multiple of our variety of options, I definitely think that's a good nickname. So let's change the rules. Like we Let's give ourselves nicknames. I, I was I mean, going to say. You give yourself a nickname. I, I get mine, yeah, right? Yeah, I feel like all three people on this call have given have given ourselves nicknames. Okay. You know, just got to rock with it, you know? Well, and some of the nicknames that people give me sometimes, I don't even appreciate it. So it's like, yeah, we're, let, let's let's start self-naming now. Yeah, you know self-naming. Man? We're going to start a wave. Like, oh, yeah, what? <laughs> Never mind. I was going to go on so I was gonna go on a weird tangent. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm with the tangent. What's up? <laughs> I was just about to be like, yo, what if we lived in a society, right, where like everyone was just nameless till the age of 18 and you just gave yourself your own name, you know? Different. <laughs> Different. Yo, wow. We should we should probably whoa. We should probably blank this out because that could be a great somebody that idea movie and Netflix idea. And to flip that, I always feel like that same thing about. And now I'm about to take it on a deeper layer, but like religion. I feel like you know I grew up. My grandfather was a pastor, so grew up as a Christian. Just you know, 100 percent trenched in it, baptized. You know, just the whole. The whole kit and kaboom. But mm-hmm. I feel like, and it's no slight against anybody in their religion, that, you know, most people, you should wait until you're like 18, like, to choose or to make that that journey on what you want to do religiously. I know that's probably like, people are like, whoa, no, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, definitely, like, 
because it's 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 a billion religions out here. You shouldn't just because everything that your parents teach you as a kid are just off of experiences that they have gone through and things that they mm-hmm. were taught. So I'm very, very big in on the, you know, you you learn, then you unlearn and then you relearn. Like and that is no slight to your mm-hmm. your parent or anything like that. But you just have to because their experience will, will never be your experiences. And I would say you could even take it in a deeper level than religion too, because that could that could stretch across like even people going right into college after they turn eighteen, or people mm-hmm. who have certain diets or live a certain lifestyle or have certain cultural beliefs based on their parents. I feel like a lot of the decisions that we make, it really isn't up to us at all. So I do like the fact no. that you bring up that unlearning element because that's exactly what. I feel like when you when you then start waking up and realizing you're more than just the titles people give you or the amount of yep. money in your bank account or the clothes in your closet, that's when I feel like that next level of awakening happens when you begin to unlearn and then start learning who you actually are. And I feel like that last piece is key too of of realizing who you are, right? And like this mm-hmm. personalized experience. Cause I feel like for religion, for instance, like me personally, you know, I was raised Muslim, but I'm not I don't consider myself necessarily like if you were to look at what a gen- generally accepted Muslim is, like I don't necessarily live my, my life. My father like that was person. raised Muslim, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but what? he didn't raise. Yeah, but he didn't force us to. Yeah, but yeah, no. So it's like, but but at the end of the day, like I feel like I have sort of my personalized relationship with a higher power, and mm-hmm. for me, a lot of that manifests relation in relation to Islam, just because that's what I associate, you know, with my spirituality or with like, yeah. you know, theology or whatever. But it's like I would hope that. In, in the same way you shouldn't necessarily follow your, your parents' views of religion, like in general, it's like, why do we necessarily need to like have these, you know, huge overarching, like even the three main religions. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm Muslim. And like, it's like, okay, now I'm part of this collective as opposed to like having something that's more true to who you are, you know? And like, don't just blindly follow what your parents are doing, but also don't just like all these old ways of thinking and old ways of identifying yourself. Like, I feel like we should constantly be like, you know, taking everything around us, soaking it up and having it come out in a way that is just like authentically you, regardless of what other people who identify with things similar to you, how they identify fully, you know? Yeah, I was, mm-hmm. that, that's pretty like much what I was going to choice. You know what I mean? A lack of the ability to choose for ourselves. Yep. I was going to say, give yourself that opportunity. Like don't cheat yourself. Like give yourself that opportunity to at least take a step back for a moment and just at least look at it. You may, like you said, you still may fall into the same. Your spiritual beliefs may still feel comfortable falling into that category that you were raised in. But who knows if you give yourself that moment, it may not. So just, you know, as as a human, as a free thinker, I think those are some things that a lot of people need to remember when we are growing. And I think the more access we have to things, it's allowing people to do that. The more access we have, because I mean, even the internet being a community, a community in itself, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. And I think we spoke 100%. about this um, back in season two, as in with Kyle, where we were sort of touching on the the connections that even like meditation groups or yoga groups have and how you can compare that to that level of community that people have craved and wanted, which is essentially why um, some of these... Uh, why there has also just been religious gatherings over time too. You know what I mean? It's that want and that need for community. Yeah, that reminds me. There's a there's a line in an Earth Gang song. Unity is cool. Uniformity is missing the whole point. And I feel like that's really what it is. It's like we want that unity mm-hmm. and we want that <laughs> that communion, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that we start to sacrifice parts of ourselves to be you know the person next to us. You still got to be you know uniformity is not the point. 
even amidst all the unity that we're searching for. Even beyond that, too, like I, I have some friends where they started feeling this internal and external battle because essentially the religion that they grew up in and the beliefs that were also introduced into their lives by their parents didn't fit who they were as people. You know what I mean? So now there was this like mm-hmm. sense of, well, should I reject myself and who I actually am because my religious beliefs aren't- um, College should hit you with that like a brick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. if we could, how can, I, how can I explain this? Everyone needs something to believe in. And that's a fact. You know what I'm saying? We all we all want places to congregate in. We all want to have people who have some element of familiarity. The only way I think that we can really get to that point, like you were mentioning, Azim, of unity or unification, but still having that element of individualism, is if we can... Somehow, somewhere, and I know this may sound wild to some people out there listening, but essentially if a spaceship just <laughs> lands in the middle of America, oh, yeah, it allows people to just realize that, you know, and I, I wouldn't even consider them a common enemy, though. I would just consider it us sort of breaking from our traditional norms and the way we go about thinking about- Oh, we're going to have to realize that it's something planet, bigger than you know us. What I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and once yeah. we realize something is yeah. bigger than us, then because I, I was I was watching. That's um, where we come full circle, though, right? Because it's like the coronavirus. This is exactly what I was saying earlier. It's like we're having that we're having moment like on a small yeah. scale. We have moments, you know. You mentioned nine eleven. I think when Trump got elected, like there's been certain moments where mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. has kind of been those like you know wake up calls of like you know okay yes a UFO didn't land but like a few days before the last election people didn't think Trump was going to win and then you know president Donald Trump became a thing or like a month before coronavirus really hit you know people didn't expect that suddenly everyone was going to be working from home but then suddenly everything was locked down and we were working from home so it's like those moments are happening and even currently a moment on the large scale mm-hmm. is happening at like there's still, you know, we're seeing, we're definitely seeing some of that reaction, but we're also just seeing every kind of reaction, right? Because like, it's just affecting everybody. So we're seeing some people who are, you know, are falling into those, those patterns that you were talking about as far as like, you know, pushing towards that, that unity with that individuality. But then there are other people who are reacting in fear and moving in the other direction too, when you do have a moment like that. And I think if it was a UFO, it'd be the same sort of thing that it's like, you know, it hits some yep. people, but some people choose not to get hit by it also. Yeah. yeah I guess the that's the freedom of, UFOs you know, because, free thinking. Yeah. And the reason why I bring up a UFO too is because um, people have even people are even utilizing religion as a way right now. So if we're thinking about how coronavirus is sort of a disruption in day-to-day society and the way people are going about thinking about things, like people are even utilizing religion to justify what's happening now too. You know what I'm saying? So it's like- Mm-hmm. And amongst the different religions, there's different beliefs about what's happening in the world today. But if we have individuals or, or species that's out there that we obviously know that's different from us, it's going to allow us to not only think about, okay, on a national scale or even a global scale. You know what I mean? We're going to just start to realize that, like you were saying before, Chris, like this is really bigger than us. Like our purpose mm-hmm. here is how best can we continuously add value, build community, and come together straight up. Yeah, they said that there's going to be seven different disruptors in life, um, and I think the internet was one of them. Oh yeah, there hasn't been much. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people think, you know, oh, we've come a long way, but we have. But the internet was the last. Everything is a sub product of the internet, even a cell phone. 
if there was no internet, we wouldn't have, you know, mobile. And on top of that, and on top of that, a lot of industries still haven't really, you know, adapted to the internet or like utilize the internet to the best. Not at all. And in fact, some of them are feeling forced to now, you know, that they can't continue working in the same way that they used to, even with like remote working and things like that. Yeah, me and Eric definitely seen that working on the media side. Like a lot of our biggest, best, you know, whatever you would think from the outside is the consumer. Very, very old mind thinking, you know, old, even the work mm-hmm. pattern of how they have people working, you know, the product is very, very old because it, it's, it worked then and it continued to work and it's grandfathered in. So they continue to continue, but it definitely puts a strain on the human, whoever is in that job now, because just the way of life isn't that anymore. So it's kind of hard to step out of what you know is everyday life into these offices that they kind of still, you know, still thinking like we're in the um, past, you know, 80s, 90s. It it, it makes things hard. We always have to, you know, even though the internet is the last biggest thing, until there's something new, you got to keep building on that and keep creating new cool things that the internet can Kind of like my, you know, my business, Bodega Healthy, which is kind of like your one-stop shop. It will one day hopefully be a brick and mortar, but right now it's all virtual for any, you know, your CBD, TAC products and things of that nature. If it wasn't for the internet, that wouldn't be able to, you know, prosper. And my biggest thing in this is just getting people that look like me uh, a hold in this type of industry. Blacks were the biggest consumers of all things, you know, 420 related, CBD related, you know, but as far as industry wise, like high level corporate industry, we have no type of um, space in there. Like nobody looks like us. So that's what I'm trying to push. We're building things that we are the, the things that are being needed. So if we're not the laboratory testing it, being the facility that the lab that these people are using mm-hmm. to test these things at, or if we're not the one packaging it, being the person that is designing the packaging that is being shipped to the places, like being part of these industries somehow, some way, other than just distributing products and on the sales side, using you know our other skills more than just you know the gift and the gab and the 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 culture, the brown culture. We we mm-hmm. we we. We drive, you know, just having that, you know, behind you for anybody, your brown culture pushes things like it's, it's, it's cool if that is if that's the word to, to use. Like, you know, everybody loves it. We all, you know, it just is what it is. So but other than just using that label, like actually being part of the industry, the, the, the real brick and mortar of how things are created and put out to the market. Um, that is what Bodega Healthy is, is pushing forward for us. And I like the way you, I like the name Bodega Healthy too, especially based off your definition of why you call yourself Bodega, why that's a nickname and how that connects with the healthy. Because like you mentioned before, like now's the time to adapt and the people who had a lot of money before may not be the same situation whenever we get out of this or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, these are these new industries that are coming up. And I, I saw somewhere that um, the lines at a dispensary was actually just as long as the lines for a grocery store back at the peak oh, of the yeah. pandemic. Oh, <laughs> yeah. When we were wiping down oh, yeah. groceries and stuff. So that is, um, to show that, um, that is when Bodega Healthy, you know, the name, the business, deciding to get an LLC, that is when that was 100% 
born in the the peak of the pandemic. And um, I hope that's not taken negatively. Like I just seen where the gap was and I seen that it was going to be a certain type of person that was going to decide to go outside and do what they need to do. There's a lot of people Mm -hmm. that was just going to hold up in the house. And I took that chance and decided to, you know, keep pushing that. And a lot of fresh, fresh ideas came from taking those chances. And now I I really, really hope that in the next five years, if anybody plays this back, Bodega Healthy is at, you know, really making those in dispensaries and doing things on the level that I'm looking for. Like I'm saying, being part of the industry of it, not just being part of the distribution. Still screaming. You gotta live like you dying in a minute, take your time Use it wise, dream higher than the ribbon in the sky Don't gotta take my advice, you know Who the fuck am I, but just a little fly Finding smells, do a shitty walk of life For Walter Payton on the sideline The pie line is mine, in my mind I try to see myself through God's eyes Fuck a guideline, a tour guide Nobody help me, but I'm not fine God got me, but it's not that this nine got me Now I keep this bird shit, you pop cocky Gotta get the mop, they try and leave the boy sloppy Slip once, it's my fault Second time, then you got me fucked up Try and end the middle and knock me off my rock A tough luck, kick my ass, let me run it back That was tough love I was raised on Bad kid hitting chain dogs with the acorns East Still screaming Still scheming Five, I gotta grab six at seven o'clock. Hopped on a plane, then in a drop. I stick a car seat inside of a car that it ain't supposed to be in. Young black king ducking the holes in my DM. I was cruising down more than a couple years ago. I was broke, but I knew blood, sweat, and tears, you know. I thought I knew it all, didn't know a thing. Ain't scared of the cold, bitch, I got ice in my veins. I look up to God, she look up to me. Smile, thumbs up, right on. I'm supposed to slide with my check engine light on. By the whole crib, long way from double trees. Nickname her Chanel, and I love her double C. Jid told me, get on, I said, it's gonna be a breeze. Talk slick shit, cause I got babies in my teeth. I took us from EBT to MX From trains of BET to the Grammys Still screaming yeah. Still scheming Still dreaming Still screaming down like four flats let me dry the lat to get some food couldn't pay you back though i offer gas money every time you say take it back heard word around town that you been asking about me but that's surprising because last time we spoke you told me life was better off without me 
Damn, that's deep, cut me deep. I let the pain see, cause that makes for good music. It don't hurt to check to see how you doing. You watch my story, so you know how I'm doing. Don't be no ghost watching all my posts, but don't like a picture. Swear I miss you, but it's your fault that a nigga ain't with you. See, we had plans. Sell my two-seater for us a Dan. Call your daddy just to ask for your hand. But you was playing.